You're listening to the Lost Mountain Podcast. Lost Mountain exists to help all kinds of people find and follow Jesus. We hope today's message encourages you towards a deeper relationship with Christ. If you have questions from today's message, email us at info at lmbc.us. Link is in the show notes. We'll be in Matthew chapter 1 this morning and Matthew chapter 11. So if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and be looking for the gospel of Matthew that's in the New Testament. Go center right and you'll find it. Um, There's a lot of energy this time of year. A lot of lights, a lot of music, uh, historically classic Christmas movies like Elf and Die Hard are on channel after channel right now. A lot of laughter. Kids are very excited. It's funny, we've had one run with our older kids, and now we have another run with the twins who, um, for adults, uh, you know, December just flies by, right? For children, it is the longest, slowest month of the year. They count it in hours, uh, some days in minutes. But I think for many of us, and I think even seeing the, the holes in the rows this morning testifies to this, there's also a weight to this time of year. For a lot of us, there's an exhaustion that sets in. There is a weariness that comes. There's an introspection that alone can border uh, on depression, though we know that many experience uh, heightened degrees of depression and anxiety this time of year. Uh, Last week, I was out of town um, due to an unexpected family funeral. I came back in, and I could feel my body worn down, and I just began to get sick. And by Wednesday night, I thought, okay, I've got to at least start trending up at some point uh, because I'm going to need my voice in a few days. So I ended up going to an urgent care Wednesday night. And I could tell that the, the medical staff in there, they were weary. <laughs> they were tired. So I asked uh, one of the girls that was working with me, I said, uh, I guess you guys are pretty, um, pretty slammed right now. She said, oh, yes. She said, we're working uh, uh, five 12-hour days a week. And she said, most of them really are 14 from the time you walk in until the time you walk out. We're a little short-staffed. There's a lot of sickness. I know many of you can attest to that. But uh, the medical staff at Urgent Cares are not the only ones that feel that kind of weight, a kind of weariness this year. And I just want to give you permission this morning to feel that, to say yes. Some of you, this is the first year without a close loved one. And there's a weight to that. There's a weight to getting to the end of the year. Uh, And sometimes we are naturally thinking about what's not happening in our lives or maybe what is happening that we wish wasn't. And we just, we tend to be thinking about that and have that on our mind at this time of year. And it doesn't matter um, very much what your age is, what your marital status is, what your season of life is, whether you're uh, a, a teenager or a tweenager. I don't know what that is, twilight ager, whether you're toward the end, right, or toward the beginning of life, this can grab you. And it's into this weightiness and into uh, what can sometimes be a kind of numbness or even emptiness of the season that we come to Matthew chapter 1, inviting us into the true story That is a good story that will eventually make all true stories good stories. 
Let's pick up, as all good Christians do, skipping the genealogy and starting with verse 18 in Matthew chapter 1. I'm committed to doing a Christmas message soon uh, simply out of the genealogy of Matthew 1 because it is here for a reason, the genesis of Jesus, Matthew begins with, but we're not going to do it this morning, so you can give thanks for that. Let's look at verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public ridicule, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this time of year, we're reminded that you broke into human time and space. You came to earth and took on human flesh and being to accomplish on behalf of us what was impossible for us to do. And Lord, I pray in a time where uh, most of us gathered this morning, probably all of us gathered in this place this morning or online, God, are, are familiar with this story. God, that you would break through the familiarity and speak to us in new and fresh ways. God, that where there is exhaustion and weariness, sorrow, sadness, emptiness this morning, God, that your light would break through in the fullness of your beauty and your sufficiency would be known. God, speak to us and do what only you're able to do, God, what human preparation and gifting and calling cannot accomplish. God, we confess our dependence upon you this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in a little work called God is in the Manger, God is in the Manger, Reflections on Advent and Christmas, says, who among us will celebrate Christmas correctly? Whoever finally lays down all power, all honor, all reputation, all vanity, all arrogance, all individualism beside the manger. Whoever remains lowly and lets God alone be high. Whoever looks at the child in the manger and sees the glory of God precisely in 
his loneliness. I hope that as you and I uh, are quickly approaching Christmas now, that we will ask ourselves this question along with Bonhoeffer, because I think it is so significant. Who among us will celebrate Christmas correctly? What does it mean to celebrate Christmas correctly? I was talking to uh, David Conley earlier this week, or later last week. I forget what where Sunday is. I know it's the start of most weeks for people, and literally is. I think for most pastors, it feels like the culmination of a long week. But I was talking uh, with David, and he was saying that he was asking some of the students this last week about uh, their traditions in their homes. And all of a sudden, I felt all of this weight of everything that I haven't been as a dad around Christmas in my own home. Anybody ever feel that? Like, oh, we should be lighting more candles, and we should be teaching and talking, and maybe we should buy a donkey each December, and we can work this out with the children, right? Uh, We can take turns with the twins playing Jesus. Um, How is it that we celebrate Christmas correctly? What's amazing to me about this passage, which really just sets up and grounds where we're going this morning, is that Matthew gives kind of a simple, beautiful statement about how Jesus came. He doesn't dwell on it. Luke gives us many more details. He simply says in verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus of the Messiah came about. He says, you've got a young woman and a young man, a very young woman likely, and a young man of no a specific significance at the time. Maybe that's how you feel this morning. Can we just be honest and say most of us in here are not of any particular significance to the affairs of the world? Most of us are not of any particular significance even to the affairs of our own community. We're just ordinary people. And it's two ordinary unknown people that God came centuries ago and did the most miraculous thing, the thing upon which all of the Christian story hinges, God becoming man. When you look at a passage like this, and you realize that verse 23 tells us that a virgin conceives and gives birth to a son, we realize that the virgin birth of Jesus is not some sort of a secondary peripheral thing. It's at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. It's at the very heart of what it means to believe the biblical witness about Christmas. That in the birth of Jesus, God was doing something that man could not do without him. You with me? Being born again in John chapter 3 as Jesus talks to Nicodemus. Jesus talks to him about a picture in a sense of Jesus' own birth that could not have been brought about by the will of man nor the participation of man. And I wonder if we've lost a sense of the wonder of what that was like. Recently, archaeologists discovered the oldest invitation uh, that we have on record around the first century, an invitation from one Roman sister to another to a birthday party. Made me sad that ladies were having to go to birthday parties even then. But when you read this invitation, the oldest one that we have on written record as a historical account, it reads a lot like invitations do today. It reads a lot like invitations do today. But Jesus gives a unique one. And many of you know where I'm going to head now. Because I think in our weariness, 
And in the weightiness of this time, many of us need to hear this timeless invitation from Jesus again, grounded in the birth of Christ. So you can keep your finger in chapter one if you want, but I want you to turn over to Matthew 11. Jesus is about a year into his public ministry at this point. Matthew chapter 11, the little baby grows up just as every other little boy does, every other child does. He learns, he grows, he processes, he gets to distinguish between numbers and colors. He learns obedience. And his public ministry as the son of God and savior of the world begins. A year into it, he looks out at people who were exhausted, burdened with the weight of religious expectation and religious requirements, as well as just all that life throws at you. Can we all agree that there are seasons where it seems like nothing else could come at you? But if you've lived very long, you don't want to say that, right? You don't want to say, what else could happen? And then have it happen. So you just wonder quietly in your own soul, what else could happen? And into this human tendency toward emptiness and loneliness, guilt that we feel knowing that we are sinners before a holy and pure God, into the fear that we carry, fear of a life spent in, in, in insignificance, fear of death. Fear of losing complete control, which we have the illusion that we actually maintain. Deep insecurity, which we've seen rise more and more in our own society and nation over the last few years because we do not know who we are, who we're supposed to be, or who it is even that determines that for us. And into this, down through the centuries, come the echoes of Jesus' great invitation in Matthew 11, beginning with verse 28. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Isn't it amazing that the Son of God himself, God in flesh, describes himself as gentle and humble in heart? What do you think of when you think of God? What characteristics do you tend to attribute to the God who knows you and loves you, who extends a redemptive invitation to you? Often, I think, it is not gentleness and humility of heart. But I remind you again that to look at Jesus is to look at God. To hear Jesus is to hear God. To know Jesus is to know God. To be known by Jesus is to be known by God. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Does that resonate with any of you this morning? You will find rest for your souls. Jesus is not just talking about a good night's sleep, though some of us uh, would do well just to have one of those. You'll find rest for your souls, 
for that restlessness inside the human heart and the human condition that drives us to perform, that whispers how insufficient we are, that drives us to alter our space, our look, our bodies, our lives, to try to be more impressive, to try to find acceptance. Jesus says, I'll give you rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. No confusion here. I'll clear this up real quick. Uh, We just saw from a video that following Christ may take you at times into situations and places that are not easy and are not light. But Jesus is saying to you this morning that of all the masters that you will ever know, and you will know many as a human being, he is the one, he is the one whose way is easy and burden is light. He is the one whose standard and expectation of you actually gives life rather than takes it. I just want to call your attention to quickly four things about this passage here and ground them in Matthew 1. The first is the nature of the one who gives the invitation. The nature of the one who gives the invitation. We can all agree that an invitation is only as good as the character of the person that gives it. Am I right? You've all had that friend probably who if they invited you over for dinner, you knew probably that you would be bringing dinner or at least be being asked to pay for it. Right, an invitation is only as good as the one who gives it. This, uh, my kids remind me of this sometimes when I'm dreaming out loud, and I intend to accomplish all these things I dream about. I intend to do these things. Hey, man, guys, it, it'd be really cool if we went here and we did this. We need to plan on that. They're like, sure, Dad. Right. We're gonna chalk that up with all the other places we're gonna not go that you wanna go. This is different here. This is different here. One author said this, the one making this invitation is very God of very God, all God and all man. By him are all things made. In his hand are all treasures and wisdom and knowledge. No limitations on Jesus. He has all power in heaven and earth. In him all fullness dwells. All the fullness that you and I hunger for in our own lives to fill in the cracks of the broken places exists in Jesus. He holds the keys of death and hell. He is the appointed mediator between God and man. He will one day be the judge and king of all the earth. And yet he comes to you, to you individually. And he says, come to me. Come to me. I know you. I know all the things that you worked so hard to hide from everyone else. And I love you. I created you. I delight in you. You are in my son, my treasured possession. The one who gives the invitation is the one we just commented on. The one that Matthew 1 22 and 23 says that the historical events around his birth took place so that the Lord might fulfill what he had spoken through the prophets, that a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son. 
and they would call him Emmanuel. I think we've, we've lost a sense of the, the wonder and the delight that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Mary conceived that God became a fetus and grew an always natural and normal in Mary's young womb. That he came out a normal human birth canal carrying the genetic makeup of his mother. Yet all God, all man, this is the one who gives the invitation. He can say, come, because he has come. He can say, come to me, because he's here with us. And he experienced all that we experience. The nature of the one who gives the invitation matters significantly. And I wonder if you believe that Jesus is the one that he reveals himself to be when he takes time to touch the sick, to listen to the hurting, to receive the marginalized, to heal the wounded and the broken. I hear so many times us talk as if we are just sinners, just broken people. There's nothing available to us, no healing power, no power of transformation. We're just sort of waiting in the bucket of the church until we're poured out into Jesus' presence at our funeral. What a horrible way to live. That's not the faith revealed in the New Testament. Jesus heals, he saves, he changes, he transforms, he reconciles broken relationships, he blows away lifelong insecurities to those who hear this invitation and receive it. I also want to point out the nature of the ones who do receive the invitation. Because this matters, right? There are some invitations that only special people are going to get. Not many of you this morning will be invited to share a Christmas party at the White House. And I know some of you are like, I wouldn't go if I was. But man, the wideness and the beauty of this invitation. When you look again at Matthew chapter one, we mentioned Joseph and Mary. They just come on the scene, chosen by God for this unique time in history, an insignificant girl, an unknown man. They weren't princes or kings. They weren't royalty. They weren't wealthy. They weren't the educated and learned. And he's born in Bethlehem, not in Jerusalem, not in the city of power. The nature of those who receive the invitation. We put so much, so much stock in credentials in, in our day. I was um, home this last week and our youngest daughter, Karis, was in the kitchen and she had done something with her hair and had it braided. Um, and I said, hey, Pocahontas. And she said, listen, just because you are who you are doesn't mean I know everyone in the Bible. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know why we're paying for private education, <laughs> right? 
So I had, to, I had to remind her or inform her that Pocahontas was not in the Bible. Um, she was in history if they teach history in school anymore. Right? We, we, we put a lot of stock in education levels and in titles behind names in jobs and businesses, we seek that. But all of us know, no matter what's behind our name or in front of it, all of us know that we're broken. Richard Sibbs in The Bruised Reed, uh, uh, one more book that we have um, in the bookstore that I highly recommend, a Puritan classic. Sibbs said this, he said, what do the scriptures speak but Christ's love and tender care over those that are humbled? Now listen to this. God takes care of poor, weak Christians who are struggling with temptation and corruption. Let me talk to you. If that's not you, you can check out for a minute because I want to talk to the rest of you who are like me. Poor, weak Christians who struggle with temptation and corruption. This invitation goes to you. It doesn't say, come to me if you are strong, successful, victorious. Come to me if you're well-dressed, well-thought-of, and have a nice car. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened. All who are weary and burdened. Anyone who hears this invitation of Jesus, regardless of what you have done with Jesus in the past, Jesus says, come to me. If this is you right now, if there's weight, if there's emptiness, if there's exhaustion in your soul, if there's an uneasiness, if there's anxiety, come to me. <laughs> Jesus doesn't have any non-sinful followers. You with me? Jesus doesn't have any disciples, any redeemed in his family who no longer fall short of the glory of God. The invitation goes to all of us. All of us. Maybe some of you this morning are in a place in your own life where you've just kind of lost hope. Christmas is a message of hope. It's a message that God has come and he comes over and over and over and over in the power of the Spirit through the person of his Son to us to say, come, come to me. Some of you this morning, Jesus says, come, come back to me. Come back to me. Jesus says, you and I both know you're not near where you once were. Come back to me. Come to me. We come, if you will, to a lot of things. We come to people, we come to ideas, we come to philosophies, we come to books. We come to all kinds of things looking to fill and to solve and to satisfy the inadequacies. Uh, ina inadequacies? I'm not sure that's a word. Inadequacies and insecurities in ourselves. And you find that it, it, nothing ever works, Right? Nothing ever works, no matter what you get or what you accomplish. Some of you have had a great year, right? You got the promotion you wanted, the man you wanted, the woman you wanted, whatever else you want, it happened. And you find that great truth that is so good of God to give us that it's not quite enough, is it? It's never quite enough. Some of you got the house you wanted, you got the car you wanted, you colored your hair and it came out just right. 
but then you try to fix it again the next day without the professional woman there. It's never enough. Jesus says, of all the things you run after, nothing gives you rest but me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. I was born of a virgin girl to a man whose name just disappears from the record of history quite quickly in a town of no high significance. The nature of the one who gives the invitation, the ones who receive the invitation. Third, the nature of the invitation itself. The nature of the invitation itself. It's one thing to say, come to Jesus. It's another thing to ask, how do we do that? How do we do that? How is it actually that we come to Jesus? We sang a few moments ago, come and worship. Come and worship. Come and worship the newborn king. In a sense, it is that simple that we come to Jesus to worship Jesus. When you look back at chapter one, again, at verse 23, Emmanuel, God with us. I don't want you to miss the fact that the only reason Jesus can and does say, come to me, is that he came to us. God with us. That's why we can come to Jesus, because he makes himself available to us. He is God with us. Sometimes in your pain, sometimes in the places that you don't share with your wife or your husband, your best friend, you're not gonna share with a coworker, with your buddies, your parents with your children, you need to know that there is one you can share with, the one who is God with you, God among us. In The Hidden Christmas, Keller writes, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you've been on the paid staff of hell. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what deep, dark secrets are in your past. I don't care how badly you've messed up. If you repent and come to God through Jesus, not only will God accept you and work in your life, but he delights to work through people like you. He's been doing it through all of world history. Do you realize how contemptible it is to come to God with an attitude that somehow uh, the sin in you exceeds the mercy in him? There's no amount of human sin that can exceed divine mercy. The nature of his invitation stands to us all. Come to him. Come to him in belief. Not just cognitive belief, not just mental belief, but a heart belief that Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are and I believe you will do what you say you will do. So I'm coming to you and I'm trusting you and I'm willing to look like a fool and I'm willing to experience the doubt and the confusion maybe if you don't answer in the way that I think you should answer or in the time that I think you should answer. This is what it means to come to Jesus, to lay down all of the pretense, all of the struggling, all of the attempts to do for ourselves what we cannot do for ourselves. 
all of the attempts to run here and there to satisfy all the needs and the weight and the anxiety and the yearnings that we have. And to say, Jesus, I'm setting them all down and I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. That's the nature of the invitation that Jesus gives. Simply come to me. He doesn't say clean your stuff up. He doesn't say learn more first. He doesn't say get the right translation of the Bible. He just says come. Exactly like you are this morning. With all the baggage that you have. With the fights that some of you had this morning between home and here. Some of you started out fighting. You woke up angry. I mean, am I the only one that ever has a day like that? Where you wake up and you think, man, it'd be better if no one spoke to me today. Because I'm ticked off already just because I'm awake. Sometimes you're not even sure what happened. At work, at home, you're right in the middle of a fight that you're not even sure what's going on with. Right? Jesus says, don't worry. You can't fix yourself. Just come to me like you are. Come and acknowledge where you're broken. Acknowledge where you're hiding. I know it. And finally, there's the nature of the promise. There's the nature of the promise. And this is so beautifully put in Matthew chapter 1 as God directs Joseph what to name the boy. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Rest throughout the Bible is a picture of redemption. It's a picture of salvation. It's a picture of being accepted in and brought into God and made whole. The world promises us all kinds of things. The world promises you riches and pleasure. Man, if there's anything Americans know well from a global and historical scale, it's riches or at least abundance and pleasure and entertainment. We are truly entertaining ourselves to death. And we have, a, uh, with the advent of social media, a whole new platform of people to dance before that always leaves us empty and needing to dance better and dance harder to try to cultivate carefully the way that everyone who doesn't know us and doesn't care about us sees us. The devil promises us greatness, power, wisdom, the things we hunger for as human beings. But look again at the words, the very words of Jesus, which I find to be healing. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. Take take my way on you. Take my standard on yourself. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You notice that Jesus doesn't say you may find rest for your souls. He doesn't say some of you who are better at looking will find rest for your souls. You always have that one kid, if you have kids, who you can't hide anything from. Any of you ever have a child like that? They will find whatever's there to find. And not even like, not even presence. We're in that stage of life where if I want the last of something, I hide it. Like, I was sticking rolls up in behind dishes this weekend. True story. I was like, we had a whole bag of these things, and there are two left, and they're mine. Not that I need any more rolls, but 
I hadn't had any. Right? And don't judge me. Those of you that are parents know the fight that it is to finish anything that's yours, to experience any delight that you'd look forward to that isn't hidden in a significant way. And then you have to move it around. Because once a child finds a spot, they remember it. They can't remember to put their shoes on or to go to the bathroom where the bathroom is supposed to be gone. But they can remember everywhere where you place something for later enjoyment. And so eventually, you can't remember either. You're all over the kitchen trying to find something. Then you're in your closet. Then you're wondering if you hid it under their beds. You find a slice of pizza in the couch. You're wondering if it's yours or theirs. I might have put that away last month. I don't know. I have no idea where I was going with all that. But I do know this. That the, the quiet murmur that so many of us live with in our souls that is constantly whispering that you're not quite enough is only stilled by the rest that Jesus gives. Jesus can still it and Jesus can kill it for good. Where you realize I'm, I'm all I need to be and all I have to be in him. The rest that Jesus gives is a deep soul rest. It's a rest of heart. It's a rest of conscience that reminds yourself in the words of Sibs that God does indeed take care of the poor, weak Christians who are struggling with temptation and corruption. It's not like Jesus goes, well, they're fine. They're third string, but I do have some first stringers, right? They're out there living it up, writing books for me. They've got their own clothing lines fish, etc. Rest of conscience, rest of mind. Rest of mind. You know how tired some of you are from constantly thinking about how to please God and how to live for God and what to do in this situation and that situation in a way that doesn't lead to fruitfulness and obedience but to exhaustion. And sometimes even to bitterness and to grumpiness. Rest of mind, rest of, a, of affection, where your heart's found its true home in Christ. And instead of scurrying after so many different things, trying to place your affection, your love, your worship there so that you can receive, it's found settled in Christ. Rest is a picture of salvation. And salvation brings with it a rest that only God can give. I don't know how weary you are this morning, but I know there's a lot of weariness around us. I know that some of you, even teenagers, are halfway through your year at school and you're already completely exhausted by everything that you sent you're supposed to be to everyone. I know some of you moms and dads are especially weary during this season of trying to provide everything that you feel like you need to provide for everyone that wants it. Some of you are just worn out by parties and invitations and gatherings. 
Nothing like the holidays to really try to destroy your life. And into that, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. J.C. Ryle, who I quote not infrequently, was a, just remind you, a 19th century English pastor. He would typically write an annual Christmas letter or sometimes New Year's letter, a little track that would circulate around to the homes of his parishioners. They became very, very popular in time, and many of them remain. And in one of those Christmas letters that he wrote to his members, in reference to this passage, he says this, where are the weary and heavy burdened? They're everywhere. They are a multitude that man can scarcely number. They're found in every climate and in every country under the sun. They live in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, and in America. They dwell on the banks of the Amazon as well as on the banks of the Thames. They dwell by the banks of the Mississippi as well as the banks of the Niger. They abound under republics as well as under monarchies, under liberal governments as well as under despotism. Everywhere you will find trouble, care, sorrow, anxiety, murmuring, discontent, and unrest. We truly are, as human beings, weary and heavy burdened. To what class do the weary and heavy burdened belong? They belong to every class. There is no exception. They are to be found among masters as well as servants, among the rich as well as the poor, among kings as well as subjects, among the educated as among the ignorant. In every class you will find trouble, care, sorrow, anxiety, murmuring, discontent, and unrest. That to every person in every generation comes the echo of the good news, of the great invitation of the one who came to us. Come to me and you will find rest for your souls. In just a minute, I'm going to pray for us. When I finish praying, as we do week by week, our offering ushers will make their way to their Positions will pass the buckets. You guys can drop in your giving envelopes, your connection cards if you give on Sunday morning as opposed to online throughout the week. I hope this morning that in the stillness of our time that remains, you'll hear the voice of Jesus say, come to me this morning, right now. As we sing, as we receive offering, as we observe communion, as we reflect, Come to me. Lay it down. And receive the rest that your soul hungers for. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, you're not just our king and judge and redeemer. God, you are the one who restores our souls. You're the one who in the rapid pace and busyness of human life and human existence 
with all the demands and expectations that come to each one of us to be this or to be that, to be more and to be less. You come to us and you offer us rest through the person and work of your son. Lord, I pray this morning that every man, woman, and child in this room watching online God, through the power of your spirit, would hear the invitation of Jesus to come, to come to him. Some may need to come for the very first time, God, and lay down their pride and lay down their rebellious hearts and trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. Others, God, have a tendency, as we all do as human beings, to build baggage and wounds, insecurities, pain, we hear the whisper of Jesus, come to me, lay it down, and I'll give you rest for your souls. God, in your mercy, we may find that, may we find that this morning. We ask in Jesus' glorious name, amen. For more information about Lost Mountain, visit us online at lnbc.us. Thanks for tuning in today.